Hi everyone, this is What's Going On in the Garden. A podcast where we talk about what's going on in the garden. Well, Joseph, it's still cold. Yes, it's still cold. It's January in in northern Indiana, so it's still cold. And, uh, yeah, I feel like I don't have words to talk about how cold it is. This podcast has just become me (laughs) complaining about the cold, but I don't know what else to do. And it has really been not very cold. It's been very moderate winter so far, so I don't think it's a a reasonable complaint. But January is almost over, so that means that winter is almost over, right? Just one more month of winter. Yeah, absolutely. Just don't forget, it snows in spring. (laughs) I do not think (laughs) that is how it's supposed to work. Summer is the only season when it never snows. That's how you have to think about it. (laughs) Lord, help me, Jesus. Okay, well, today uh, we're still sort of finding ways to garden in the cold and dealing with how difficult it is to to endure the winter when you're excited about gardening and plants. And, and one way that you thought that we could talk about that is by talking about seeds. So I think if last week I was really excited talking about houseplants, this week you're going to be the excited one talking about seeds. Yes, I mean, seeds are the best. I love seeds. You can never have too many seeds. They're just wonderful and joyous and the best thing. If anyone saw our house, they would think that you can have too many seeds. That is so not true. I have four boxes of seeds, except for the ones in the refrigerator. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Except, except, except. So let's take a little trip down memory lane when the seeds took over our refrigerator. Yes. Uh And then you said you were going to purchase a separate refrigerator for the seeds. Yes. Yes. A, just a small, like, dorm size okay. refrigerator, not and a full size. You did that. Yes. And then somehow, all of there's still a ton of seeds in the refrigerator that our food is supposed to go in. There's a small number of seeds. An in hour the ago, I was putting away the groceries, and you said, <laughs> Oh, those lily seeds can go on this shelf. Did you not? Yes. But there's. How many bags of seeds are in the refrigerator right now? Normal people don't have to deal with that when they're putting their food away. Normal people are not <laughs> as lucky as you. <laughs> yeah, I guess I just don't quite understand why you collect so many seeds. You have more seeds than you could ever grow. The amount of land it would take to grow the seeds that you already have, and yet you still shop for more seeds. So the great thing about seeds, unlike every other form of plants, is you can store them. So if you have live plants, you have to, they have to be in sunlight, getting water, like you have to be actively caring for them or they die. But seeds you can put put in a box and save. So seeds are great because it's a great way to keep plants that you don't have a place for right now. So like when we moved to Virginia, I kept seeds of things like my Snapdragon hybrids that didn't do well in Virginia. And they stayed in a box for four years in Virginia, and now I can germinate them again. So when I sow seeds, especially if it's seeds that are going to be hard to get again, I only sow half the packet because then if something happens, I can go back to the seeds and get them back. So I definitely keep a lot of seeds. That's one of the great things about seeds is like you, it's possible to keep and store them in a box in the basement or the refrigerator, which you just can't do with any other form of plant. I'm still not convinced that something you can store means it's something you should store but today we're going to talk about all the reasons why you love seeds yes and and why you think that you need to have as many as you do and so uh this is a conversation that's long overdue in our household (laughs) and i guess we're just going to convert you to understand how wonderful and we're just going to broadcast our issues uh, to the world, you know, which I guess is not the first time. You already talked a little bit about this, but why do you love growing from seeds so much? 
I have a long list of reasons. I think the first reason that I like growing from seeds is just the sheer number of varieties that you can get. So if you're really limited to shopping from plants at your local nurseries or even mail order nurseries, um, it's a pretty limited selection and you have just way more options if you start growing things from seed. More different species, more different varieties, whether it's vegetables or perennials or anything, you can just access so many more different plants. And I like growing lots of cool plants. Um, so seeds are really fun because it opens up a whole world of opportunities of different types of plants that you can grow. Because it's so easy to <laughs> ship seeds compared to plants, you mean? Yeah, part of that. So it's like really easy to ship them. They're, they're chip, they're Chip. They're cheap um, and easy to ship because they're not fragile. Um, you can easily import them from overseas even with the proper permits, obviously. Um, but it's very, it's much simpler to import seeds. Um, I regularly buy some, some nurseries in the UK and um, elsewhere, which have, you know, and you have to pay a little extra fee for the proper inspections, but it's pretty easy to import seeds. So you suddenly have access to all these plants that I can't get in the US, but I can get from the UK or something like that. I have definitely caught you trying to use Google Translate to buy seeds from foreign sources. A few times, a few <laughs> times. Okay. Yeah. Well, the outline you made also says that it's easy to store the seeds in large numbers. And that's supposed to be a positive thing? Well, that's part of the reasons that you have more options available from seeds and other plants. So if you're a nursery trying to grow live plants, it's logistically quite difficult to maintain a wide selection of plants. But if you're a seed company, it's way easier to have hundreds of varieties available. So it's part of the reason you get such diversity is because they're not as difficult to manage as like inventory um, as you would or, you know, a live plant, which is a lot more to manage. Yeah, I guess I can see that. It's, uh, But some of them require cold storage. Isn't that why they're in the refrigerator? So you can store them longer if they're kept at cool temperatures. So that's why I keep them in the refrigerator is like the seeds are going to stay viable the longest if they're kept in cool temperatures, but it's not super necessary. And also because seeds are so small, a pretty small refrigerator, you can store a lot of them. And again, way simpler to throw some seeds in a cool storage than it is to keep plants alive in a greenhouse or nursery and watered and no pests and diseases and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I guess I can see that because if I guess the alternative, I should be thankful that you just have seeds in the refrigerator instead of, you know, plants taking over every single inch of our house. Oh, oh, wait a minute. You have both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if I had to maintain all of those, those, that di genetic diversity as live plants, that would be a lot. Yes. Yes, it would. It would be wonderful. It would be more. It is a lot. <laughs> it would be more for sure. So you also say that people can collect seeds from wild sources. Isn't that is that okay? Yeah. So obviously you just don't go out and harvest seeds from parks and stuff. But again, one of the, when you're shopping for seeds, there are people who are selling seeds that have the proper permits to collect from wild sources. Um, and again, you can't just do that willy nilly, but um, unlike, you know, digging live plants from the wild, which destroys the wild population, wild plants produce huge numbers of seeds. And in the wild, a tiny, tiny percentage of those actually germinate and grow on to be mature plants. So you can harvest wild seeds properly with proper permitting and everything and, and even sell those um, without impacting wild populations. So it's a great because as an individual, I can get access to really cool and interesting native plants that I want to enjoy and grow in the garden. Um, it's also uh, a great way to preserve diversity of wild plants. So a lot of times there's seed uh, banks and things where they're collecting seeds from wild plants, preserving them and growing them outside of the wild to preserve plants that might be in invulnerable. So again, it's just another source where you get interesting genetic diversity. You can't go and dig. I mean, there's a big problem right now, people digging cacti from the wild, which is 
Really big problem destroys wild populations, but you can totally buy seed that have been collected from wild cactus populations and still enjoy those plants in a way that's ethical and not damaging wild populations. Okay, I can see that. Um, I don't think that's what you're doing, though. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great nursery, uh, and I think in the show notes I have a list of of seed sources and my favorites. One of my favorites is called All Plains. He's out in. I think Denver or somewhere out there, Colorado, and he does a lot of ethical collection of wild seeds. And it's a really cool source for native plants and cool plants that are being, again, grow those cool plants that you love without hurting the wild populations. Okay. You also say that it's easy to get seeds from friends. Yeah. If you have a friend who's got a cool plant in their garden, it may be difficult to ask for a division or something. It's pretty disruptive. But if there's some seeds, again, because you can take some seeds without affecting the mother plant, it's really cool easy way to share plants with friends, give somebody something. Um, um, my friend Paniotti, who you've met, who loves, he always is offering seeds to people. It's a really great way to share plants with people that easy to, easy to ship across the country, easy to give to somebody to take home in their luggage or whatever. It's really easiest way to share plants with friends, I think. So what kind of plants lend themselves to this kind of exchange? Because if I think about houseplants, it seems to make sense to just do a cutting. Yeah, I think houseplants, most houseplants, you don't get as much seed. Pretty much anything that's going to flower for you in the garden, it's then going to produce seeds, which is easy to, to, to share. But a lot of houseplants, we don't typically grow them in conditions where they'll be allowed to flower. So something like a pothos needs to climb up into a tropical tree before it gets to maturity and then bloom. So you're not usually getting blooms indoors. But things like African violets or the other houseplants actually flower. You're gonna, you can get seeds from that you could then share. Um, so houseplants are probably the, the exception. Okay. Most other plants, whether it's a vegetable or perennials or annuals or um, anything else you're growing, you're going to get flowers. And then that means you're going to get seeds that you can share with other people. But also, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. which I know you will do, but it seems like you kind of have to let the plants get ugly if you're going to collect seeds. Because I know before in our garden, I've said, we need to deadhead those. That's looking terrible. And you say, oh, don't you touch that, right? I'm trying to get Yeah, seed. I mean, it depends on the plant. Or something like tomatoes, obviously, getting sure. seeds is part of the process. A lot of flowers, yeah, you would cut off those seed heads before they, those flower heads before they produce seeds. So that, yeah, they can be certainly sometimes in an ornamental garden. You're not going to want to let everything set seeds. But you also can deadhead most of the flowers and just let a few remain to, to get seeds if you want, um, if you don't need a ton of them. But yeah, it can be a little bit of balancing act to not get let them get too ratty if you have a you know want to have a, a nice looking garden all the time. Okay, so you let your garden get ratty. Yes, and then you collect. I guess you call it a seed pod. Yeah, it depends. A seed head is probably the most generic term. Okay. Yeah. And then you bring this in the house and you make a god awful mess in your house while you're separating the. What are you, the wheat from the chaff, yeah. right? I've seen you do this every year. Yes, yes. And then the, the cats kind of help you, right? They yes, very much the cats like... very enjoy seed cleaning, yeah. I mean, you don't have to do that because it's easy to go and buy seeds from other people who are doing that commercially. So collecting and saving seeds from your own garden or from ferns gardens can be really fun. And obviously, I enjoy doing it a lot. But you certainly can enjoy growing from seeds without having to collect it from your own garden at all. But the communal... Uh, aspect of it, that does make it sound more interesting to me because, you know, I, I like that you can kind of give that really thoughtful gift to a friend and it's going to be a gift that keeps on giving, right? Yeah, it thing. is really cool. And I really love, it's really fun. Yeah, I think plants that you get 
from friends have extra meaning to them. You know, it's something, oh, these are, you know, uh, you know, these are whatever it is that's, I've got a little succulents in the basement now that my friend Kenton sent me. And so it's like, it's from him, it's from his garden. So yeah, it definitely feels cool. And it's nice that's then pass it on to somebody else. And I think it's, um, yeah, and, and I like that a lot because I don't, I don't love it when gardening feels like a competition to see who can spend the most money on right. the rarest plant. Like some of the house plant, it's not your vibe. The in variegated general. monstera thing is. I feel like it's about who's willing to spend the most money on the the rarest cultivar, and that just feels like you need to watch your mouth hating on monsteras. <laughs> monsteras are beautiful, and I don't like hating on anyone hating a beautiful monstera. But I feel like there's like a toxic corner of Instagram gardening. Surely not. <laughs> that's about like who can spend the most money on the most expensive variegated philodendron, which doesn't, I don't know, that kind of rubs me the wrong way. You are going to be completely banished from <laughs> PlantGate Instagram from this podcast, the way you talk. Yeah. So I love seeds and we've, is because they, whether you're from friends, which can be free, or even you're buying them, they're really cheap. It's not about like who can spend the most money to garden. It's about like growing them and cultivating them and enjoying that process rather than who's willing to run up the biggest credit card bill for rare plants. Yeah. And I can see how in this age of social media, I mean, I have friends I've never met in person. You kind of connect with them online and years later you haven't met them in person, but you're, you're friends, you know, mm -hmm. in a way. I mean, I don't know, maybe that makes me strange, but I think that's pretty common these days. Yeah. Then to be able to, you know, easily send them something from your garden. Totally. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. It's, okay. it's really nice. It's really nice to do that. And, they, and again, you can stick in an envelope and shoot it through the mail rather than Right. You can send cuttings of plants too, but it's a little bit more, is it going to freeze in transit? Is it going to dry out in transit? Is the post office going to lose it for a week and it's going to die? It's just a little bit more of a hassle. Seeds are so easy to share that way. Right. You know, plus it's kind of the joy of garden we've talked about before. I mean, I like to buy a small house plant and, and grow it large, right? But to grow something from seed is incredibly rewarding. It's incredibly satisfying. And there's something, I it always feels like magic to me. It feels like, I don't know, you're sprinkling brown powder on dirt and watering it, and then it turns into plants. I find it really exciting every time. And there's something very satisfying. Like you have in your office right now an agave that I grew from seed. Yeah. Four or five years ago, it's very satisfying to think that that was a little packet of brown lumps in an envelope, and now it's a big spiny plant on your windowsill. There's also, something very satisfying about that. I don't think that's something people would think of growing from seed. I don't know. It seems like, you know, tomatoes or something you yeah. grow from seeds, but or wildflowers, but in agave, I mean. Yeah. No, it's fun. And trees from seed, you can do trees from seed. You can do all kinds of things from seed. And I think... I don't know. It certainly takes more time. Some of those things like agaves are pretty slow growing. So that's like four or five years old now and just starting to get some size to it. So there's like a patience aspect to it. Um, but yeah, you can grow just about anything from seed. If you can find, I don't know, pothos seeds, it'd be fun to grow pothos from seed. I don't know how available those seeds are, but that would be fun to try. Okay. Well, I'm a, I'm your friend and I live, you know, millions of miles away or thousands of miles away and you're sending me a packet of seeds. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's way more seeds or the potential for way more plants in that envelope than I would ever grow, right? Yeah. So is that, do you sow all the seeds and then sort of weed out the ones that don't do so well? I mean, what's that process like? So it really depends on how many plants I need and how many plants I, you know, I want out of that packet of seeds. Okay. So if I'm sowing tomatoes and I want six plants, I'll maybe sow, I don't know, 10 or so tomato seeds because not everyone's going to germinate. And I tend to sow in what I call a community pot. 
So I would sow all those seeds in a single pot together. Oh, okay. Then when they germinate, then I would, once they're up and have, you know, big enough that I can handle them, I would separate them out into individual pots. So it's called pricking or something? It's called pricking out in the UK. They say pricking out. Oh, okay. Um, and the US, I, it's just dividing the seedlings, but in the UK, it's pricking out. Um, I see. <laughs> that sounds like something you do at a club or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I like that method a lot because then, and then if I want, you know, right now in the basement, I have, um, you know, these Louisia seedlings, which I have like 160 of. We've heard a lot about the Louisia. I know. We're going to hear more about them. Okay. Very good. But anyway, so then I, so I sowed the whole packet of seeds. I want as many as possible. And then every one that germinate, I then separate it out into its own pot. But okay. if I don't need that many, I wouldn't sow that many seeds. It really depends on how many I want to do. So isn't there a stage where you have like trays, like little trays? Is that after the pricking? Yeah. So I prick them out into individual flats, into small pots, and then like you would see at a nursery, right? Right. right. If you buy a flat of tomato, yeah, flat of tomato. Yeah, you pot them up into their individual, you know, uh, depending on how big it's going to be, it's an individual pot. You can sow the seeds directly into those individual pots to start with, um, which I might, I would do sometimes with something like tomatoes, perhaps, but the problem then is you're not going to get a hundred percent germination. So if you have, you know, a whole flat and you sow one seed in each, in each pot, a few of them aren't going to germinate. So you have some empty pots, but then if you sow two seeds in every pot to make sure, then you're, you're wasting a lot of seed. Mm -hmm. But if I sow them all in the community pot, I can just sow a few extra seeds and then separate them out into individual pots. So I'm not wasting seeds, but I still don't have empty pots at the end. So I like using that method. If I have, Something like tomatoes that maybe, you know, they're very cheap. I have a big packet. I only want three or four. I might just sow two seeds in each pot to start off with to save time. But generally, I like to sow in the community pot and then separate them out into their own pots um, to be more efficient. It's also nice because I'm growing under lights. Then when they're little tiny seedlings, they're just all in one pot and they take up a lot less space. So I can turn off some of the lights and save electricity. And then as they grow, they get into bigger pots and take up more space, but that limits the amount of time I have to have all the lights running and taking up a lot of space before they okay. go outside. Okay. So you don't recommend just, you know, if you want to grow a plant outside, just like scattering the seeds outside, you have to wait till they become established as small plants before you put them in the ground. You certainly can do a direct, so that's called direct seeding. Uh, so, I'm, and you certainly can do that. Um, your success rate is going to vary a lot depending on the plant um, and your, their conditions. Um, <clears throat> So my rule of thumb, like one, if it's rare, expensive seeds or seeds that your friend sent you and only have a few of, I start them inside because outside there's way more things are going to eat them. The rainstorms might wash them out. Um, but if it's something that you have a lot of seeds of, and especially if they're bigger seeds. So the example that comes to mind are like sunflowers or zinnias. They have kind of big beefy seeds. And when you plant them, they're quickly a big vigorous seedling. And so they're able to grow up and not be easily damaged. Something like, I don't know, snapdragons um, have little tiny seeds. And when they first germinate, they're very delicate. And certainly you can direct sow them, but just the chances of them surviving becomes less outside. So I, you know, there's certainly things I would direct sow because they're big, healthy seeds. They're quickly going to be a big, vigorous seedling. And there's something I have a lot of. So if only 20% of them make it, that's still great. Um, and then there also is kind of a hybrid method you can use, which I've done before, which is build like a special seed bed. So I built like a small raised bed, put high quality soil in that, and then a screen over top of it to keep rabbits and deer and everything else out of it. And then I can sow the seeds directly outside so I don't have to fuss with lights, 
but I can give them kind of more specialized conditions, special care, make sure, make sure they're not drying out or getting washed away or whatever. And then once they get some size again, I would then transplant them out into their final location in the garden. I mean, the other thing is if a squirrel eats your seeds or something, mm -hmm. it's not a huge loss of investment because seeds don't cost a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That's the great thing about, you know, if you buy a $20 perennial and then the deer eat it the next day, you it's very upsetting but yeah seeds are pretty easy to play with and i think i think they're intimidating to people because it seems you know it's not a living not a green growing plant yet it can be a little overwhelming but they are such a minimal investment especially direct sowing it's like yeah buy a packet of zinnia seeds and direct sow them in the garden if something eats them all you're not out a lot of effort or money so it's kind of not you know it's pretty easy to play with and, and not be too concerned if something goes wrong and gardening can be so expensive yes like i didn't realize when we got together i never really gardened before and i thought oh this sounds fun and then i went to the nursery and oh you spent six hundred dollars or something i mean yeah. it can be so expensive and nothing worse than you know spending a bunch of money on a mature plant and then a deer just mowing it down yes definitely so that's something i really like with seeds because yeah i it's like the ability to experiment especially when i talked about like getting unusual varieties if you like buy some very rare special plant from an expensive nursery and then you don't know whether it's going to do well in your climate that's a big risk to take but when i get a I speak you know seeds species i've never grown before i don't even know if they'll live here but it's easy to experiment with because it's such a lower investment that it allows me to play with things more um and i do like that it makes it more accessible to everybody i feel like sometimes gardening can feel like a very I don't know, elitist, exclusive kind of thing. Yes. Like it's to, like a lot of the magazines and stuff. It's about like people who have lots of land and a big house and can buy, buy also, all the plants. I've tried to go to a couple garden clubs and yeah, they are well, not for people. No, garden, a lot of garden clubs are very much like it can be snobby and sort of not very welcoming to people who don't have a lot of disposable income. Right. Um, and I feel like especially especially like if you're into vegetables, you can get a community garden space, some seeds for almost nothing, and you can have a really great, beautiful garden that you're going to want to brag about on Instagram and people will be impressed with. And it's not about like, oh, I spent all the money. Right. It's about I spent the time and the work and created something that's beautiful and, and yeah, enjoyable. That is really cool. I yeah, say. yeah. Yeah. I like that. So, yeah, that I think seeds feel like the most like, what's the word, egalitarian, de democratic yeah. approach into gardening rather than, you know, yeah. Yeah, and you can still have a, a great garden without a lot of investment of money, at least, even yeah. if the time investment. It's still investment more. of time. It's always yeah. an investment of time. But yeah, it's not so much about, you know, who if you happen to have enough money to buy, you know, whatever. So where are the places that you get all these seeds? Are, are there particular nurseries that you really like to go to or play? I don't know what you do call them nurseries if they sell seeds. And also, you have a seed exchange that you... Yeah. So I... There's a lot of seed sources that I love, um, and I think we'll probably put a list in the show notes. Uh, I'll mention top favorite. By we, he means me. Yes, I don't do that. <laughs> I just, I'm the talent. Oh. <laughs> um, so one for like perennials, Jolito perennial seeds, I think is fantastic. They're based in Germany, but have a US office too. So they, you don't have to import the seeds. They ship them right to you. They have a huge selection of perennials and unbelievably informative website. So for every seed, they're going to list exactly how long it'll take to germinate, what conditions it needs to germinate, like all the information is there. So they're really, really a great one. And they have a great thing that they call gold nugget seeds, which are pre-treated. 
to germinate quickly. So if you don't want to fuss with some of the more elaborate germination processes, they're really great. Um, and then Johnny selected seeds is my favorite for probably vegetables. Again, great selection plus tons of information on their website, which I really, really love. Um, there's lots of other ones that I really like, but like you mentioned, there's also the seed exchanges, which are really fun. So a lot of the plant societies, so I'm heavily involved in the North American Rock Garden Society, and they have a great seed exchange. So members collect seeds from their gardens, send them into the seed exchange, and then you can request them. And you get all kinds of stuff that you can't find anywhere else. It is sometimes mislabeled. It's not commercial seed. Uh, okay. Sometimes people don't know what species it is. It may not be as clean or as high germination percentage as you'd expect from commercial seed, but you get to get fun things. And it's also fun because, um, you know, I you know I share on social media that my, you know, whatever gentian seeds are, are germinating. And then because it's a society I'm part of, so I was like, oh, those came from my garden. So you get that personal connection, which is really fun. Um, okay. Well, you're starting to win me over a little bit about seeds. I know that seeds are also an important part of your breeding program. Like you use them a lot. What role do they play there? Yeah. So the seeds, any other kind of propagation, if you're taking cuttings or divisions, you're making clones. They're genetically identical to the parent plant. So you're getting the exact same plant that you started with. Um, seeds, because it's sexual reproduction, is you get genetic variability in seeds, um, which is one of my other favorite things about them. So if you're buying, again, like a commercial tomato variety, that's been carefully bred to be very, very standard, and you're going to get pretty much exactly the same thing. But especially if you're getting from seed exchanges, seeds have been collected from the wild, or some of the more perennials types of things, often you get a lot of genetic variation in that seedling population, which can be really awesome if you're trying to grow things that maybe you're not adapted to your climate. Um, so example that comes to mind, there's a little plant called Zinnia grandiflora. So zinnias we usually grow are from Mexico and they're these big annuals. But Zinnia grandiflora is this species that's native up into the Rocky Mountains that's a hardy perennial. And I'd seen it growing in Denver looking beautiful. And then I, I found, bought a plant for sale from a nursery out there. It had it shipped to when we lived in Michigan and planted it and it died immediately. Um, but then I found a, a nursery selling seeds of it. I grew them from seed and I would say about half of them died. And then the other half thrived because I had that genetic variation. So it can be a fun way to just, if you're trying to grow something that you're not sure is going to be adapted to your conditions, um, starting with that genetic variation you get from seed allows you to just find the individuals that are better adapted to your climate, your winters, your watering regime, your soil, uh, whatever that may be. But does that pose a challenge if you want to plant in something in big drifts, you know, like something that looks the same in a big drift in your garden? Yeah. And again, it's going to depend on the seed source, how much variation that's going to be. I feel like it can be a plus because I think a drift of with slight variation looks a little more natural than a drift of clones. You know, when it's everything's exactly the same shade of pink, it's like precisely the same. It can look to me a little sterile, but when you do a drift from seed, you often are going to get a little bit of variation in height and color that I think looks nice. Um, the other great thing about, you know, planting in drifts, um, 
if you buy if you're buying perennials planting in drifts which is like all the designers say don't plant one of this plant right. in big drifts and then all your weirdo plant collector friends have just like one rare plant after one rare plant in their and it doesn't look garden. nice <laughs> it doesn't look nice but if you're buying plants it can be really expensive to like oh i would like sure. this hot this hoss is beautiful oh let me buy 15 of them to make a drift and then that's, that's a lot thousand dollars yeah like that's that. a lot um but because a packet of seeds it's pretty much the same cost to get one plant from seeds as it is to get 20 you know you so a packet of seeds makes it really easy to plant in drifts because you're not you know a packet has at least 20 or 30 often 100 or more seeds um so again like it's i really like that because i'm not a i'm not a great like landscape designer but there are two types of of gardeners yes Right. There are garden people and then there are plant people. Yes. I have learned because <laughs> some of your friends, as I was kind of just saying, are plant people, which right. means you go to their garden. There is no rhyme or reason. It's completely chaotic. And they'll take you behind a shed to look at some tiny plant that you're supposed to be excited <laughs> about. And it's one of a kind. I have definitely been with you on those kinds of excursions. And then there are garden people who have, you know, beautiful spaces uh, that are very carefully designed. And I guess I'm more of a garden person and maybe you're more of a plant person. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like we both lean that way. My favorite are the, the gardens that are both, where they're okay. interesting plants, but put together beautifully. They're not, you know, the the friends' houses that you've taken me to where there are a bunch of, you know, their front yard looks like a, a I don't know, but a groundhog went nuts and <laughs> dug a bunch yeah. of tunnels. And then there's like dish tubs covering <laughs> the, the plants because they're trying to do some breeding projects. Yeah. That's not your favorite? No. I mean, those can be, I, I enjoy visiting those because I do get, I do get excited about interesting plants, but the most fun are when there's that combination of, oh, that's a really cool, beautiful plant grown beautifully. And I think for me, growing seeds allowed me to do both because I can, get weird unusual plants that i wouldn't be able to grow and then i can easily grow you know 30 of them 50 of them 100 of them even and then instead of having one of this and one of that i have drifts of things and i think that's like the shortcut to a landscape that looks pretty is to start with some drifts of some plants so it looks like you're seeing a scene like it would be a little bit in nature rather than a weird collection of random plants glommed together. So seeds can help you get there with minimal investment of money, little more investment of time, but there's also the chance for genetic diversity, which could be good if you, maybe you kind of weed out the ones that yeah, don't, right? Right, yeah. So I definitely, I do some some selection there of vigor. Um, so right now I'm growing some primroses. But not just vigor, but also appearance, right? Yeah, appearance, color, all those things. So yeah, you can definitely do some weeding out and then you know, and then that becomes breeding. I mean, the line between that and breeding comes is fuzzy when you start selecting the ones you like best and the colors you like best for all previous gen for like future generations. Okay, well, maybe at long last after this conversation, you've won me over to seeds a little <laughs> bit. I'll be a little less critical about the boxes in the refrigerator. <laughs> I really do like the idea that it makes gardening more accessible. That it's a way of sharing gardening, especially with people across long distances that it's an easy on-ramp for, for people without, you know, you're just kind of trying it out. You don't have to spend a ton of money. You don't even have to have a ton of space in yeah. the beginning too. And I guess I do really like that. So fine, I'll give you some fridge space. <laughs> I'll stop complaining about the refrigerator. <laughs> okay, well, Joseph, we have that segment, A Plant That You're Digging. 
what are you digging this week? Well, this week, to keep with our theme of seeds, it's rose hybrid seedlings. Okay, so seedling is a plant that has just, just germinated, okay. just pushing out into the world, brand new, exciting little babies. We talked a little bit about the genetic variation from seed. I love plant breeding, which is sort of taking advantage of that intentionally, either making hybrids between parents and then growing out diverse seedlings. And roses are something that I've been breeding since I was a teenager. Um, and I'm always get really excited this time of year when the rose babies are germinating. So right now they're still really tiny, but it's really exciting to see. I always in my mind am imagining Oh, what are these going to look like? And so there's this moment of lots of potential right now, looking at these little seedlings that are just a few leaves right now germinating. They're going to be blooming for me soon. So were these seedlings difficult to get? So this is my memory when we lived in that tiny apartment in Michigan that we often refer to, that in a bedroom closet, there was like a fish tank and you had to like stick your arms through gloves. Oh my goodness, I forgot like trying, it, yeah. Wasn't that trying to get seeds to germinate? It was like some kind, I mean, it looked like something from science fiction. Yeah, so I- I'm As not... your face lights up and you're so happy. <laughs> I forgot I did that thing. <laughs> So I was trying what's called embryo rescue or embryo extraction. Okay. So rose seeds can be hard to germinate. They need a long cold period before they'll germinate. So they have to go either outside for the winter or into the refrigerator for three months before they'll germinate. And then in that time, they often rot and you lose a lot of them. So much for seeds being an easy on-ramp. I would say roses are not the ones to start with. Good. Good. <laughs> Everyone take note. Um, though they can be really fun. So I was trying to cut open the seeds while they're still immature and extract the embryos and keep them in sterile conditions to speed up germination because I thought that would be fun. It was not fun. Um, did it work? No, it did not work. And I do not do that anymore. I just put them in the fridge for three months in sphagnum moss and then they germinate. Well, see, I mean, totally unrelated. I don't understand why people say you have a mad scientist vibe. I don't, <laughs> like one of our friends said that. I don't know what on earth they're talking about. No, I totally, yeah. I definitely do. I, I, I embrace that wholeheartedly. Okay. Well, you're cute though. So we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> For this week's mailbag, we are talking again about Lewisia. Lewisia, yes. Okay. So what's the deal with Lewisia? So I got a question uh, from Instagram about how you keep Lewisias happy and growing. So this was came from someone who was in Ohio, and I think some of the short answer is move, don't live in Ohio. <laughs> move to move, move to Colorado where they're native. Okay, um, but there are a couple things that you can do. One is look for a, a hybrids. Um, so the most common, the species people grow most often is Lewisia cotyledon, which has really big, showy, beautiful flowers and is pretty fussy. Um, again, if you're in Denver, Colorado, they'll self-seed and become a weed, but they don't like humidity and wet soils, and so they can be pretty fussy outside of that climate. But there's a series of hybrids. Um, they're all named like little mango, little raspberry, they're all named after like little fruit, and then there's a, a mixed color called tutti frutti. Great names, but they're hybrids between that very showy species and a much more durable species called Lewisia longipedula. And those hybrids are much more durable and easy to grow. Please welcome to the stage, Lucy along a pedal. <laughs> okay, the three people who got that joke, you're welcome. Um, yeah, so I would look for those along a pedal of hybrids if you're trying to grow Lewisias um, and they're being fussy for you. And then the other thing is, I talked about genetic variation. So I had a friend 
um, when I was writing, or a woman I met when I was writing the rock gardening book, who's growing beautiful Lewisias up in Wisconsin. And I was like, how are you doing this? And she said, well, I grew a lot from seed and the first year, 90% of them died. And then I saved seeds from that 10% that survived. And then over a few generations, she developed a strain that was better adapted to local conditions. So if you want to do that, you know, grow a lot of them from seed and take advantage of that genetic variability. But this doesn't sound like a project for the faint of heart. No, I would. It's it's not a it's it's, it's yeah. If you really want to, yeah, it's a little bit of investment, um, but they're they're beautiful. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we've talked more than anyone ever could imagine that two people could talk about seeds and all the things you can do with them yeah i think we i think we covered that subject well we've barely scratched the surface let's be honest oh but my goodness. We, we may have we may have exhausted your patience okay yeah <laughs> maybe that's a definitely i have less patience than uh we have seeds in the house that's that's for sure <laughs> quantity of seeds outpaces my patience but as I said, I do think you've kind of won me over. They do seem like a cool thing. I, I might actually play around with seeds a little bit. So, yeah, I don't know if your goal was to proselytize, but you've kind of won me over. Awesome. Well, I guess we'll see or I guess speak to everyone in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Have fun in the garden. Happy gardening. Happy the line gardening. is happy gardening. <laughs> totally blanked. <laughs>